Welcome to the Energetic Radio Podcast. My name is Dale Sidebottom. Each week, I'll bring you inspirational guests who will help you bring fun, energy, and purpose into your lives. Let the show begin. Welcome to episode number 174 of the podcast. Today, we've got Maggie Fay all the way from Canada. Now, before I get into Maggie, um, I just wanted to say a big thank you that um, I know we had a little bit of an extended break uh, with the podcast over the Christmas and New Year period, but since we've started back, I've loved the emails and the messages on Instagram and Twitter about how much you're loving the podcast being back and the guests we've had on so far. So thank you very much for that. If you haven't gone onto iTunes and left a five-star review, please do that because the more five-star reviews you get, the bigger exposure this podcast will have and the bigger impact it will make on people around the world. And that is essentially what we're trying to do. And that's what today's guest is all about. Maggie Faye is an absolute champion. And we're going to talk about so many different things, but I just love Maggie's passion on life, um, her philosophy and vision around all-inclusive, um, building friendships, ways to communicate with people, um, and just her general zest for life. Maggie is also a top-selling author. We're going to talk about her Hallway Connections book today, and really so much more. Um, this is a podcast that will be able to relate to a lot of people, teachers, parents, people in the business world, everybody, how we relate to each other, how we include each other in everything we do in our human society. So, as I said before, thank you for the lovely emails. This is going to probably promote so many more fantastic comments and reviews because Maggie Faye is a champion. Sit back. This is episode number 174. All right, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. I've got Maggie Faye here. How are you today, Maggie? Good. How are you? I'm fantastic. Now, people don't know, but we just had a lot of trouble actually getting this going. It's quite late for you. It's probably freezing because you're a winter. It's summer here in Australia. Um, yeah. How's your day been? It's been fantastic. It's it's cold, but it's okay. We're used to it. It's bearable. I, I'm sure you are. I yeah. know it gets very cold in Canada. Now, let's get straight into it. I was reading one of your blogs you re- recently said, and, and I really it really hit home with me. I loved it, Maggie. And it's basically your word for 2020 is cherish. Do you want to explain that? Yes. I decided on cherish just because uh, this past summer I was, I was in Europe visiting my grandma and I just realized how fast life goes by and she's turning 95 this April and it just made me really realize that just cherish the moments in time that you have. Uh, life goes by really fast. We're very robotic in completing our routines and daily rituals, um, but it's really difficult to stand back and just give yourself those moments of gratitude. So I, I've just decided this year to wake up my morning with my uh, my yearly long intentions, my goals, but also uh, three things that I'm grateful for every single day. Uh, yeah, and love just that. really cherishing those moments, right? Like when when you, when I look at the world going by, just we're we're doing things in such a fast speed with technology now that just just take a little bit of time to be grateful for what the goodness that's happening. Yeah, and so true. So 95, that's a fantastic effort to uh, yeah. get that long. Did um, I, I've read lately, and, and there's a lot of things that um, old people sort of give advice on what's really important in life. Have, have you had that sort of conversation with her? And um, has she shared anything that sort of wisdom from those 95 years, Maggie? It's, it's basically just, uh, she, she's a big believer in religion. So she would just say, make sure you go to church and spend time with your family. Mm. Uh, it's it's basically down to the roots of go outside go for a walk uh spend quality quality time she she loved spending time with us in the evening just 
telling us stories of her past and uh you know we often we just come home we do our thing we go to bed but those hours of conversations with her were were just truly captivating and we she would just say just sit down and talk where are you going so fast she would always say where are you going so fast put those ipads down <laughs> so right? true yeah just take a breath i guess uh my, my kids knew don't you dare go downstairs and eat breakfast with your uh bop child, we call her with an ipod because he, it won't be on for very long i i think that's so true and i think that comes back to obviously there's a lot of stuff around like mindful eating or just being present in what you're doing and i think don't get me wrong maggie technology is amazing and it's as we said before we wouldn't be able to be doing what we're doing but i think it takes away from the experience of you know things we do take for granted like eating or um just sitting there in silence oh well she she would also give me advice in terms of eating i mean this uh she has milk still delivered in a glass container from the same farmer she's been using for maybe 30 years. Wow. Uh, so when it comes to eating, I mean, everything was grown in her garden. Everything's organic. Everything's homemade. So she's a real true believer of just taking the time to cook. Yeah. Right. But and from, from your, like the whole wellness part of where in our society down there, but there's really no drive throughs. You just, you have to make your own food. Yeah, and I, I think that's it's a really important thing that yeah. uh, when drive-throughs and Uber Eats and all these other things weren't around, we didn't have that option. But I think it really comes back to being a little bit lazy or um, saying there's not enough time in the day for certain things. And I know you're a big believer in getting up and starting your day the right way. What, what's your morning routine like, Maggie? I usually wake up at 5 a.m. Uh, and begin my either I go running outside and we're between five to eight K in the morning. And then uh, if otherwise I'll try to go to the gym and do a spin class or run indoors if it's not, um, whether it's not permitting to go outdoors. And then uh, a little bit of a breakfast, get my boys ready and head off to work. But I really try to optimize that morning. It just, it gives me that mindset for the day. Something I've been doing this year too, is while I'm working out, I'm just kind of um, going through my short-term and long-term goals in my head every day. And then I follow it through with the end of just three things that I'm grateful for. It sounds silly, but I swear it works. Nah, so it's, um, it's not silly. It's not silly at all, Maggie. Like I, I do very similar. I, I start the day with three questions about um, setting my day up. And then I go about and I reflect at the end of the day, if either the, the things that I were wins in my day or things I'm grateful for. So I, I think it's really important that, and I talk yes. about this all the time, that um, starting your day with something positive and intentions of, you know, really dominating, but then also reflecting. And, and that's exactly what you're doing. Yo, absolutely. I, I must truly believe in reflecting. If something's not working, just try to figure out why. And to be honest, I, I do a lot of that through fitness. Uh, I, I'll, I'll try to tackle a problem during my run. And there's a saying, if you can't figure out your life's problems in a, you know, half a marathon, then there might not be a solution. So <laughs> it just, and, and I bring that into my classroom too. I, I, we do two gross motor um, breaks throughout the day. Uh, and I and I have found a significant difference in my students' behavior, just the movement and the way we structured our classroom has been about moving and allowing them to um, run or use the bike or use a, a pressure um, kind of compressing ma machine in our room. So just being able to provide them with the ability to exercise has has really helped us with um, with behavioral issues. 
Yeah, that, that's really interesting. So Maggie, you're obviously yeah. teaching students with autism um, and other disabilities. So have you found since introducing, you know, the regular movement and learning in the classroom or just uh, the regular breaks, have you, have you noticed a difference in your students? Yes, I've, I found that uh, we start off our morning with just a gathering in the morning and then we go for about 20 minutes to half an hour of either a walk in the community, weather permitting, or we'll do circuits around the school. By the time we come back, uh, they're, they're calm, their mind is set, and, uh, and we're just able to tackle the work that's at hand. Uh, we'll follow through with another uh, gross motor break about two hours from that, uh, but between they get little mini breaks. And then we also incorporated two blocks of meditation, one right before lunch after we do some dancing and more movement, and then one right before they go home. We put on some relaxing, calming music on, and uh, we devote the last half hour to the day to just sitting in, in a darker room and meditating. Oh, and, and I find that really, thank you. And I find that, that honest parents have told me my child is coming home calm. My child seems just right, being able to self-regulate a little bit more. And I feel that it, it really does help, especially when we, um, before lunch, we have a block where we just dance and we do a lot of music and movement as much as we can. Definitely not musically inclined, but I'm trying. <laughs> Good, and, I love it. Uh, it's, oh gosh, I, I'm trying. But then we end up the last 10 minutes, we're trying to be mindful of this, of okay, we've, our energy is really, really high up. Now let's try to take that down so that we're ready to eat and not be so, um, not be so active and, and take our blood pressure down and our heart rate down a little bit. So we'll just do 10 minutes of, of just quiet meditation and then everyone's kind of reset and, wow. and ready to, to eat their lunch in a different kind of mindset. Mm, I absolutely love that, Maggie. And, and I talk a lot about uh, a lot about this as well, that um, we need to be able to bring students up at the right time, but then also be able to bring them down so they they can, you know, have different coping mechanisms for when they leave school. So their emotional literacy, if, if they need to calm themselves in a certain situation or, or they need to find more energy, they can do it. So did you find it hard to, you know, integrate sort of two blocks of mindfulness, you know, was that, was that a hard thing to bring into your program? Uh, you know what? No, it wasn't. I think because personally it's so important, um, not, not to say that everybody has to take on what I do because that, that would be the wrong way to approach it, but just pitching the idea to the team and the team was very open to trying it out. And we're kind of one of those customers If it works great. If it doesn't, does it work for anybody? Because we always say we don't run one program. We run six programs because we have six students in our classroom. So if it works for one student, can one student participate? If it works for all, can they all participate? And sometimes one student is not in the mindset to be able to uh, take on the fitness or their meditation, and that's okay. Um, we'll invite whoever else is ready in that particular moment. Uh, and you, but at the end of the day, I find that everybody is really uh, into the mindfulness activities that we do, but we also incorporate uh, math in it. So if we're jumping up and down, sometimes we'll count to 100 or we'll sing a couple of songs. Uh, there's learning opportunities when you're moving all the time. I, I absolutely love that. And, and my big saying is, and, and all the workshops I do, Maggie, that uh, if you're moving and learning at the same time, that's when the magic happens. And I always relate this back to my schooling. I, I can't remember one lesson that I did sitting down at a desk writing. 
but I can remember the teachers that made learning and moving fun and that they incorporated games and human connection and socialising and problem solving. Um, it, do you find the same, the same thing, particularly, you know, teaching all abilities that it is so important yeah. not to just have them stationary? Oh, absolutely. In our classroom, we have it set up where there's uh, two rectangular long desks, but also we have a pea pod. We have different types of uh, chairs. Um, so my students, the, the task we always say is to, to complete something. Let's say we're asking them to do uh, a mathematical question or working on a life school life skill. But I always say it doesn't matter where they do it. If they want to be sitting on the floor, as long as they're completing what we're working on, uh, it doesn't really matter uh, what position they're sitting in, if they're laying down, if they're, if they want to be, you know, under our desk as long as long as their safety is taken care of. Uh, I always say to them, what is it that we're assessing in the moment? If it's assessing them completing work, then does it really matter how they're sitting, where they're sitting, as long as they're safe and everybody is safe around them? Then really, that's the, that's what we're assessing. We're not assessing whether or not they can sit at a desk and complete their work. Because uh, yeah. sometimes my students are not ready to sit at a table, but they'll happily sit in a, in a more pressure-confined pea pod kind of um, space with a whiteboard. And that's okay. They're still completing the work that they were asked to complete in that moment in time. So we just have to be, we, it's a different shift in thinking in what does work look like in a flexible seating environment. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with that. And when you think about um, all the, the big businesses and industries these days, you know, all the flexible working hours, they can work yes. from home, you can work at a cafe. Why do we still, and traditionally in a lot of schools, which I still walk into them and there are desks all in a line, in rows, yes. with students facing the front of the room. Why do we still do this, Maggie? Oh, I, I, I know. I think... I mean, it works for some and doesn't for others. That's why we provide a variety. And, and I mean, sometimes my students in the middle of a test, because they do have autism, they'll require a quick little sensory break. And there, there's no issue with that. I mean, that's something that they need in order to feel grounded and feel supported in that moment in time. And then when they're done, they just come right back to what uh, the expectation was in that moment. Uh, so so we were we kind of function differently in that sense. And that's why... Uh, in my book too, I, I said on the first page that that class looks weird because it's not a regular classroom <laughs> setup. And, yeah. and just debunking, does, does a classroom really need to have rows and rows of seats or can we look at a more flexible approach? Mm. And it's so true. Like it does look weird, but that's exciting as well because it's something new. It's not just doing the same thing over and over and expecting results all the time. So let's get into your book. It is a top selling book. Um, I was reading some of the reviews uh, before on Amazon and they are glowing. So Hallway Thank Connections, where, where, did, where did the idea come from? Uh, the idea came from, my, I, my whole background isn't special education really. And it just came from wanting to get just the attitudinal barriers of people to, to break down. And I figured, well, I, I can do it on a, on a school level, but in order to kind of help people realize that a label is a label, it doesn't necessarily confine you to, to a certain belief system, uh, I'm going to have to put this in writing. And it was always a dream of mine to put together a children's book, but it just never seemed to be the right time. And, and uh, finally just decided, well, if I don't do it, someone will end up doing it. Uh, so let's get it done. And and Brian was was a great support in terms of uh, pushing that spark and and supporting me throughout the whole process. 
Yeah, that, that's fantastic. So let's talk about removing some of these barriers. Where, where, where do you think we need to start as a, as a society? I just think if, if you see a child with autism, don't automatically just assume that they can't do anything because you've been introduced to them as there's that autistic child. Uh, start with that child's name is Maggie. Um, do we really need to say that she has autism? Or if you're going to say that child has autism, maybe that's Maggie with. Like put, put the name of the person before the disability. Uh, and then you're focus the first thing that you're focusing in is, oh, that the person's label is their name. Their, their exceptionality is secondary. Uh, because if we look at the exceptionality before your name, then that's kind of where right away you're putting me in a box. And that box is very, very uh, high on the spectrum. It, it could be anywhere, right? So yeah. uh, your experiences define how you're going to view the person if you're not going to see them as a human being first. I think that... Uh... That is really powerful in, in, in anything we do when we're religion, race, Absolutely. Uh, you know, anything like that. So, uh, of course, why do we do that when it comes to disability? I, I just think it's, it's natural because it's, it's, quote, unquote, not normal to what we're used to. Um, and, and we're just, people are supposed to behave in a certain way. And that's the kind of behavior that we understand. And every, anything that's out of our norm, we question and, uh, and I think just the more that if we talk about it more, we educate ourselves more and we ask questions and questions are okay to be asked, even if they're uncomfortable, then we'll be a little, uh, it'll, it'll be less scary to approach. Like in my classroom, I have students from grade five come in. At first, they're a little apprehensive. I say it's okay to ask questions. By the end of the week, they're not scared anymore because they understand that, oh, you know what, when she jumps up and down, it just, it's just releasing her emotion in that moment. But when you go outside for recess and you're running, you're also releasing a lot of emotion and a lot of um, needs that you have in that moment. So it's just people with disabilities just happen to sometimes do it differently and that's okay. Mm. Well, I, I always look at it that I think people, you know, with autism and disabilities that sometimes they've got it right because they know a way to release it when they need to. Whereas people yes. that don't, we, we hold it inside Maggie and it, it has the opposite effect, you know, then it builds Absolutely. that anxiety, it builds stress and you know, it adds yes. to, you know, your mental health. Whereas I think we could learn a lot from the way they let it out. Absolutely. And, and that's why I think the gross motor breaks really help. But I think breaks help for, for anybody, right? Like look at kids, what happens to kids when it's indoor recess and they can't go outside for a day and then do that for two days. They're, they're cooped up. Uh, they're not being able to, to, to exercise. And then they, they act out and they get bored and they're, they're just, they're, 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 it's almost like this little bomb that's ready to go off in their bodies because they don't know how to release it because they don't have the opportunity to when they're stuck inside all day. Yeah, it, it, it is so true. And then, and then we're like, oh, what's wrong with them? Whereas instead, yeah. you know, they're, they're crying out because cabin fever, nobody wants it. And I, my, my personal opinion is if you put me in a room for longer than an hour, I'll go crazy. And it's exactly the same with our students. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's why I'm a big component of fitness. I mean, I know how I feel. If I go a couple of days without working out, I just, I feel my body just doesn't feel right. It's, I, I need to let it out. Right. And, uh, 
And, and I think the same goes to a lot, a lot of our students. Not to say that everybody needs to work out because that would just be um, assuming that my philosophy works for everybody and that, that that's not a model that fits for everyone. But some sort of component of, of wellness is, I, I think, important to have. Yeah, I, th I think there is something for everybody out there and it's just about finding that right thing. And um, like you just said, not one size fits all. We're all got different personality, different needs and everything like that. Um, so Maggie, with all your work you're doing, your books, uh, I know you've got a new one on the way. I won't drop that yes. too secret out though, but um, what are you most proud of, of everything you're doing? I, I think that my most proudest moment is A, my, my kids are looking at the world from an inclusive perspective and, and questioning things out there. Like for example, last year we went out for a hike and it was uh, all muddy and there was a lot of sticks. And my younger son at the time who was seven goes, well, mommy, how are people with wheelchairs supposed to get around here? I, and then I said, good question. How, how are they? So I think if I didn't have those conversations with my kids, they would have never even thought of that. Uh, because it wasn't an accessible place. It was in the middle of a forest, but they were starting to think of accessibility um, in different areas. And then uh, another issue that I'm, I'm just really proud that students in the comments that I'm in their reviews, they, they see themselves in the book. Um, my, the most happiest moment just happened recently where a student was able to pick up the book and, uh, and say, I'm not my label. Wow. And to me, that was just, goosebumps and tears in my eyes and just I'm like if that's the only review I ever had I I am 100% happy because to me that's one child's perspective of themselves that's impacted by a story that I wrote with that exact intention is people to realize that they don't have to live by their label they're still a wonderful wonderful human being um and and that, that is my proudest moment, I have to say. Yeah, I, I can imagine that too. And like you just said, human being, we're all, we're all the same. Um, and, yes. and that's, so I think exactly what you got from that moment. Did that make it all like, I'm sure the hours you put in to write that, that one moment alone was just like the most special, that, rewarding thing yeah. ever? That, that was just, that was powerful. It, it was powerful because that child, it just, uh, the the amount of stress and the bricks that they had to carry on their shoulder not feeling that they can be themselves was just released and i can only imagine what that must have felt like um yeah. so yeah that 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 to me is the power of being able to get something out in writing for somebody to be able to pick it up or when somebody said to me they're like the the girl the main character who's of color they they picked up the book and they said that's me that, that's what I look like. And my biggest, one of, I was very, very careful with my character selection to make sure that there's diversity in the book. We live in a very diverse world and I wanted kids to be able to pick up the book and say, I wear a hijab, I'm of color, I, I'm this, um, I look like that individual. So that it's not just one culture, one race being identified throughout the story. Yeah, well, that that's really comes down to inclusion for all, not just absolutely, not just for people with abilities, disabilities, anything like that. But it's we are one, aren't we? Absolutely, yes. And and I just and I was very mindful of that, so that any kid can kind of pick it up and relate to it. 
Yeah, I, I, I think that's beautiful. And, and just because, you know, it is about autism and different disabilities, that it, it doesn't matter. Everybody can relate to it somehow. And I know that's the one thing when I was looking through it that it really sort of hit home with me and I loved it. So um, for guys Thank listening, you. I'll have links in the show notes that you can uh, go and get. This is episode number 174. Um, you can go and get the link and check that out. It is on Amazon. It posts all over the world. So Maggie, just... I've got a couple of questions I always like to finish yes. off my interviews with. If you could look back to uh, over everything you've already achieved and done and all the wisdom you've gained, um, and if you could go back to 18-year-old Maggie and give yourself one bit of advice, what would that be? Oh, gosh, good question. <laughs> Do you know I... how many people say that? And I know it buys you time. I know that buys you no, time. Oh, good question. Yes, that's what I'm going to say that over and over. <laughs> I think it would just be... Just do it. Um, if you fail, get up and, and try again. Just do it because uh, I, I think in life, we have so many goals and ambitions and we're so scared. We're scared of rejection. We're scared to be vulnerable. We're scared of the public's opinion of us. What if I do something and it doesn't work out? Uh, just try it and then reflect on it, what worked and what. And I think that's what I would have said to myself is just try it. If it yeah. doesn't work, uh, try again. I, I love that. I think that's great advice because when it really comes down to it, I think too many people are scared of being judged and being yes. judged. Oh, Welcome to the Energetic Radio you know, Podcast. My name is Dale Sarbottom. Each week, I'll bring you inspirational guests who will help you bring fun, energy, and purpose into your lives. Let the show begin. What legacy do you want to lead? Obviously, with four way connections, with a new book coming out, um, the impact you're already making is amazing. But what legacy do you want to be remembered for? Oh boy, another tough question. I think, I, I think really uh, just reshaping people's ideas of what inclusion really means and following your passions. Um, just following, if people can, one thing that they can learn from me is follow your passions. If you're doing something you love, then, it, then it's not work. And be inclusive uh, in any shape or form that you can be. Yeah, I, I love that because work, work work is work, but doing something you love is doing something you love. And when you can mix them both together and have an impact like you are, Maggie, I think that's amazing. So where's the best place to find you? Is it on MaggieFay.com? MaggieFay.com or at MaggieFay underscore on Twitter. I'm very active on there. And uh, you can also find me on Instagram as well. Perfect. Well, I'll have links in the show notes. As I said, guys, this is episode 174, Friendship, Inclusion and Communication with Maggie Faye. Now, Maggie, before you go, thank you so much for uh, being on the show and uh, sharing, you know, your passion for everything you're doing. And um, I can't wait for book number two to come out and for everybody to listen to, you know, the energy and just... Uh, general zest on life that you have and everything you've mentioned today. So thank you so much for your time. I've really appreciated it. Oh gosh, thank you so much, Dale. I appreciate being invited on the show.